All right, welcome to America This Week. I'm Matt Taibbi. I'm Walter Kern. And uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, there is a written version of America This Week that you can check out at taibbi.substack.com where all of the stories uh, that we talk about on this podcast and more are uh, described. All the details are in there. It kind of functions as like the show notes uh, for, for this podcast. Uh, with some additional reporting in there. There is actually some reporting in there. So go check that out, taibbi.substack.com, if you want to learn more about some of these stories. Uh, And then here at America This Week, this is where Walter Kern and I uh, take a little bit of a deeper dive into news of the week. And just as this, uh, as we were were going to sit down and do this podcast, a kind of amazing news story hit the uh, hit the wires. Walter, uh, when did you first hear about this? Are we talking about Musk? Yeah, the Musk thing. Well, I, I think I first heard about it maybe yesterday, but it was from a source that I wasn't completely convinced was accurate. But it sounds like Elon Musk, uh, for the um, crime of pursuing Twitter, financially has been perhaps uh, called in or will be for some kind of national defense review of his activities. The basis for this being, I guess, uh, his tweets about Russia, um, uh, his, his tweets about a possible um, compromise with the, with Putin over the Ukraine war. Um, but, but it, it, you know, even if that's the approximate, uh, cause it seems that elon musk's pursuit of twitter has been uh, continually rebuffed and usually using the same message that the american security state can't afford for twitter to fall into the hands of a heterodox or you know uh, financier or or, or capitalist uh, this latest thing sounds like a candid admission that twitter is in fact a uh, arm of the security state in some way that it's vital to our mission in shaping opinion, maybe domestically, maybe internationally, and controlling the narrative around events like the Ukraine war. Um, I don't know that they've ever come out and shown that as positively as they have with this notion that he's you know, going to be called down to the principal's office. Right. I mean, it's funny because for the first six or seven years, we've had a lot of these controversies about speech. You know, somebody's taken off the internet. Alex Jones gets sent to purgatory or whatever, or whatever it is. There have been some other people who've been demonetized or have lost control of their businesses that involve putting out some kind of media property. This would be the mother of all First Amendment uh, stories if it were actually true. Uh, if if the government is going to deem uh, the private purchase of a media distribution platform uh, national security uh, bureaucracy and decide that it could exercise some kind of veto power over that, I can't think of anything in our history that would even rival that brazenness, maybe like the Palmer raids or something. I, I, I'm, I'm scratching my head to try to come up with something that's similar to this. 
Well, I can't quite think of a precedent. A reverse precedent would be uh, Bezos's purchase of the Washington Post, which apparently went through, uh, you know, like poop through a goose. Uh, uh, there was no, uh, there was no static for that, which suggests that maybe Bezos uh, is a character in the better graces of of the powers that be. Um, one thing this proves is that there is no such thing as fuck you money in America right. anymore. Um, you know, that the, the richest man and one whose riches have to a large degree come from um, contracts with the government or subsidies for his electric cars and so on. Somebody who has worked hand in glove with the establishment to pursue many of its stated goals, you know, green energy, um, you know, military support superiority in space through Starlink, um, that, that, that he should be a suspect person uh, is pretty astonishing. It, it, it means there is no level at which you, uh, you know, merely financial level, at least, at which you um, free yourself from the scrutiny of the state. Uh, I guess that for some is a blow for equity. Uh, but it also suggests a very insecure and intrusive state. Yeah, I, I, I thought the the whole idea of Elon Musk is that he had like beyond fuck you money, like that. Like, He's Iron Man. Yeah, exactly, like, exactly. Iron Man, Iron Man, subversive person. Um, you know, in in an Iron Man script, the point at which Iron Man becomes, uh, you know, um, a, a prisoner or a uh, a, a suspect, you know, by, by, by state apparatus would be a great plot point. You know, he'd have to prove his patriotism at some point. Yeah, the suit controls um, him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, someone's I, 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 trying to get into my house. Can we hold on just a second? Well, we enter the Hall of Fame of podcasts. I hope you weren't swatted. Yeah, what is swatting again? Is when a uh, hostile uh, actor decides to interrupt your life by making a false report to the police that causes a SWAT team to come and oh, break right. in your house. They'll, right. Someone might, yeah, it, it, it's been going on for years and years and it's a, um, it's a badge of dissidence for some that they get swatted. I mean, I think uh, Steve Bannon was swatted and uh, I think Tim Pool, the podcaster has been swatted uh, while in studio. Um, <laughs> No. That's what the and there's a story we're going to get to later where that involves the swatting of a journalist. Um, it, part of this is because it's, it's absurdly easy to get SWAT teams to come out now and bring out all their toys, which always seem to involve a, a, a bear cat. Have you noticed this? <laughs> As though they're going to, you know. Uh roll over caterpillar like your entire uh compound yeah um, the, the, the bear cat on the front lawn is a detail that i never really understood before but apparently they, they there's a there's a tool that they they attach to the front of it which the agents refer to as a donger which is like a a thing that will poke your door in um and so they drive to your house with that. Luckily, we're not Branch Davidians, but I, I think that uh, it, it can feel that way for certain journalists these days, you know. Um, well, getting back to Musk for a second, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I said there, 
it, it seems there's no such thing as fuck you money. Um, it, it, about a week ago, he made some noises about pulling Starlink from the battlefield in Ukraine because uh, Zelensky had told him to F off. Um, and, and for other reasons, because he wasn't getting paid, which seems astonishing to me for the amount of money we're laying down on the Ukraine war that we can't spend $80 million, which is what he said he's lost giving Starlink gratis uh, to the Ukrainian forces um, is astonishing. I, I think they should allow him to make a slight profit, even defending the free world from Putin. Um, that's not even, that, that's like couch between the couch pillows money, not even for the. <laughs> right. They, yeah. They do that studying the effects of dairy on school children and school <laughs> lunch. Um, but, 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 but in any case, Elon Musk, as a character, as a sort of um, dramatic figure in American life, has gone through so many uh, metamorphoses. For a while, he was, like we said before, Iron Man, the person who is maybe going to spearhead our future development in all kinds of ways, um, bring smarts and engineering prowess and social vision to the remaking of America. But now he's being treated as some sort of kind of the way the Chinese treated Jack Ma, who was their richest man, who also fell afoul of the state. You know, uh, he's being treated as someone who's grown too big for his britches, who, uh, you know, I, I start to see in discussions of him on Twitter that he's South African, that, you know, a, a sort of suspect nationality uh, or, or nation of birth. Um, and, uh, on Twitter, when I sometimes voice my eagerness for him to, uh, take over Twitter, which I, which I do have, um, I am told that place no faith in Elon Musk. He, he, he's a bad character. Um, it's kind of without, uh, specificity, these warnings. Um, but he's being, he, he's growing into Dr. Evil for, for a certain contingent. Um, $44 billion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and to shut him up or to shut down this deal um, and to also express suspicions about his loyalty to the United States of America is a real signal. I mean, you could not send a bigger one. Shutting up Alex Jones or, you know, suing Kanye West uh, or other celebrities um, really doesn't hold a candle to taking Iron Man and putting him in a, uh, a girdle. Right. Is, is shutting down a $44 billion deal uh, because you say it, uh, uh, you know, you think it, it, it violates some kind of national security. Um, uh, I don't know, like objective. It's just so far beyond any other, um, any other thing that we've had to deal with. You know, the news came out. One of the reasons that we're we're talking about this as a real thing uh, is because this this leaked out to the public via a Bloomberg story, but it came out before trading opened. So, so the stock price fell 16%. And the reason was this Bloomberg story. And the Bloomberg story is amazing. Um, 
it's anonymously sourced. It could theoretically come from Musk's side, but it doesn't feel like it. Uh, and there are these two amazing paragraphs in here, which feel like they're worth reading verbatim. One goes, the discussions are still in an early stage, the people familiar said on, a, on, on condition of anonymity. Officials in the US government and intelligence community are weighing what tools, if any, are available that would allow the federal government to review Musk's ventures, not just Twitter, Musk's ventures. One possibility is through the law governing the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States to review Musk's deals and operations for national security risks, they said. Uh, now, this uh, Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States is a real thing. I, I've seen it come up a few times in the past, always involving some deal that the government asks um, uh, for review of early in the process. So this has come up several times previously when, let, let's, let's just say, the something that's owned by the Chinese government wants to buy into a chip maker or an aerospace company. Uh, in one case, they mixed a, a deal involving a, the purchase of a wind farm that was too near a naval air station. Uh, but the, the point is, it's never happened that the government has gone to this committee and said, we want you to look at this. It's something that is invoked automatically, uh, right? And the, and, the, and the committee takes a look. So this would be kind of extraordinary if they did things backwards and they said, well, wow, what infrastructure do we have that we can use to nix a deal? And they bring in this committee. That, that, seems, that seems very crazy to me. Well, two points. Number one, yours, which is that this is a committee that traditionally, at least, uh, seems to make its own recommendations that, that you know, higher reaches then hear about and act on. But this is in reverse. This is the higher echelons looking around and saying, you know, what can we use against him? But second of all, what's foreign about his investment in Twitter? I, I don't quite understand. Is he not uh, a domestic actor? We're not talking about China or Russia buying Twitter, are we? Um, uh, it, capital is to some extent international, I guess. I mean, there may, it, it, there may be some money from abroad mixed with the money uh, that he would buy Twitter with, but uh, it's, you know, you talked about the Chinese buying wind farms or whatever, but isn't Elon Musk one of us? He's a U.S. citizen, as far as I'm, uh, as far as I know. I mean, I think he has, I think he has uh, multiple citizenship. Um, yeah, he also has security clearance, I'm sure. I mean, uh, he couldn't work on the projects that he does for us without that. Um, are they going to take away his satellites? I mean, what what are they planning to do, in fact? Uh, you know, when they talk about looking at the, the breadth of his business operations, as I understand it, he, he makes cars, he runs Starlink, he is trying to churn out some solar panel for the people, uh, he bores tunnels uh, for futuristic transportation uh, networks and uh, 
Um, and he goes to the moon or Mars. Is, yeah, and he wants to go to Mars. Are any of the would taking those away from him or somehow um, severing his management of these projects be a national security win, um, or is this just purely punitive? Uh, I have no idea. It's it's so it's so crazy that they would even think that they would even think to discuss this. But I guess it fits. I mean, it, well, you know, you know, Matt. I mean. To be realistic, there is a there is a cadre. That's a loaded word. There is a cohort of billionaires of Silicon Valley types, um, like Peter Thiel, who's you know uh, overtly backing candidates for the Senate this year. Who this may be a warning to. I'm merely speculating, but but you know Musk and Thiel, who were together at PayPal originally and had a kind of libertarian flavor to their, you know, initial public profiles um, and, and others do represent in some way a slightly out of sync uh, group, at, at least as far as traditional Democratic Party types might be um, concerned, you know, Teal with his outward backing of Republican candidates and others. And so sometimes I wonder if this is a signal to Musk is a sort of signal to this whole community of upstart billionaires who wish to have a seat at the table in terms of American social and political policy. Well, billionaires always have a seat at the table. I mean, we have... We, the story we read about this is on is on Bloomberg, <laughs> which is because Mike right, Bloomberg right, right. bought his own wire service, and um, you know, yeah. Well, well, here's here's a you know here's an exact case of it. I mean, Michael Bloomberg, who you know, I don't know if he still owns the trading stations of Wall Street, the sort of computer consoles that they gain information from, but he certainly made his fortune on them. And who also has this, you know, virtual wire wire service, Bloomberg. I mean, it rivals AP in some ways, and um, you know, and, and his magazines. Mm. Bloomberg is a magnet that no one seems to complain much about. His influence on the media or uh, public discourse doesn't seem to be at issue with anyone, uh, and uh, you know, maybe. Maybe Elon is trying to join a very elite club that doesn't want him in it somehow. Well, yeah, I mean, and the, there have been a bunch of these stories lately that are about rich people who are trying to enter the media world but doing it in a way that is not approved. Like there, there was, there was a crazy story that came out in the New Republic, which I seem to remember once was like was a a readable magazine i used to be the national correspondent quote unquote for the new republic that meant i dealt with everything that didn't happen you know within the belt <laughs> I, I was allowed to stick up for farmers every once in a while i think that meant um but uh yeah go on what was the story so the story the story is it's called the quiet political rise of david sachs Silicon Valley's prophet of urban doom. 
And then the sub headline is like, <laughs> right? I mean, it's it's like out of a, out of a, a Marvel movie. Like, well, we must not let prophets of doom stalk our land. I mean, Lord, uh, what, in what way does he want to doom the urban landscape? Well, apparently it's Colin, right? So, but the, the, so the subheadline is like his pals, Elon Musk and Peter Thiel, Sachs is using his wealth and online clout to unite conservatives and former leftists in a reactionary movement against liberalism. Now, even I was mentioned in this piece as a reactionary. I don't even, I don't know how this, um, I'll be the reactionary on this show, Matt. Uh, I mean, Lord, I've known you and sat with you and, well, they got that descriptor wrong, but go on. And then or even funnier that they led with, with Katie Halper, uh, talking about how she's a, she's a post left, uh, voice who interviewed the former district attorney of San Francisco, Chesa Boudin, uh, and, uh, I, I guess, uh, they're upset, um, that Katie had a, a bit of a confrontational interview with Chesa Boudin, um, and they're they're basically saying that David Sachs and Peter Thiel and Elon Musk and all these people are trying to unite, you know, the the so-called horseshoe theory of you know what would be faux leftists and reactionaries to stop the the forces of light and good. Uh, from from triumphing everywhere. I mean, since when have billionaires done anything but but try to influence the media? That's how they get laid, isn't it? I mean, I thought I thought that was the whole point of of uh, of media ownership by rich people. Like the well, I mean, money. it's all in the it's it's all in Citizen Kane, right? Uh, media ownership is what allows you to start wars. Um, we're talking about a character based on. William Randolph Hearst, um, uh, Mary Bimbos, who you then build opera houses for and attempt to promote beyond their talents. Um, uh, they also sometimes seek to build private zoos. We've we learned from Citizen Kane, and um, you know, all while missing that fond sled from childhood that made right. them human. Right, it doesn't um, fill the hole. Um, he had to fill the hole. So yeah, filling the hole with influence and um, you know political uh, potency is what billionaires do in the American mythos. Uh, what else would they be good for? You know, encouraged that when they were funding crappy neoliberal, uh, you know, media ventures that basically said the same thing that all of our politicians say uh but but suddenly now that a cop like a handful of them are you know getting their hands in ventures like Colin or Substack or whatever it is uh, we can't have that it, they seem to be okay so so Benioff of Salesforce I believe owns Time magazine that's correct um Another magazine I used to work for that's changed hands several times. Um, 
And there doesn't seem to be much of a problem when these billionaires buy legacy uh, legacy publications. Right. And what they don't like, I guess, is some kind of some kind of suggestion that there's something amiss in the media landscape that um that we need something new although you know you know even that's not true remember ariana huffington got and i used to i used to know ariana huffington and they love that when when she came up and, and it was wow look at this amazing new thing like uh, a wealthy person is is uh, uh creating a vehicle by which all this political energy can pour out into the media landscape. And isn't that amazing? I seem to remember that being celebrated at one point, no? Well, when they buy the right places for the right reasons, they're patrons. When they do something else, they're they're, uh, suspect persons. But, you know, Substack, Call-In, and, uh, you know, Twitter are a little different than normal publications in that they you know, they, they don't supposedly push a uh, party line or consensus view of things. They allow for uh, the interplay of new forces. Um, you know, they the Times ran endless pieces on Substack when it was starting to get going as a, you know, a dubious enterprise that would allow non-experts to have the same status as experts. So there does seem to be an anti-populist or anti-new um, media uh, bent to these uh, to these attacks on on, on the the new oligarchs. Yeah. By the way, speak, speaking of populism, how funny was uh, the 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 short-lived reign of Liz Truss? who was hailed by everybody in the United States as the conservative alternative to populism. You remember seeing all those news articles in the last two or three weeks about how uh, essentially Liz Truss had, had cracked the nut of populism and she had found the the the, 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 the third way. The, the, right, the third way. Uh, but she, she lasted like, I mean, there are sneezes that long that probably lasted longer than her her tenure in in office. Uh, it was it was pretty amazing. I often, you know, I lived in I lived in England, London, and Oxford for a few years, and uh, it was at a time in the eighties when uh, Thatcher uh, uh, was prime minister. Reagan was back here, and the British left was having a kind of massive spasm of both nostalgia and hostility to this new uh you know this new frankly capitalist milton friedman driven um atmosphere and uh they 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 often lectured me my british friends on the inferiority of the american system uh they're 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 their party-based um, parliamentary system was much more flexible. Um, uh, you know, you could call elections, you could lose faith in a leader and 
um, replace them. You could uh, do all sorts of things that are sclerotic constitutional uh, electoral system didn't allow. But theirs is looking pretty uh, Keystone Cops right now. Absolutely. Um, and, and and also looking as though it, it doesn't have anywhere to settle that we can that we can foresee now the return of Boris Johnson, my old uh, Oxford uh, sort of classmate. He was an undergraduate there while I was. That doesn't seem to be doesn't seem to be um, imminent, though some have spoken of it. There's this other guy. Uh, the guy who lost out to Truss, who seems like he's the most likely next candidate. Um, I imagine that we'll have, if he does get the party's, uh, you know, backing as prime minister, we'll then see two weeks of solid articles over here because we have a sort of inferiority complex versus the British. Uh, I, it's just a persistent aspect of life here among at least the higher uh, levels of people that we'll, we'll, we'll hear this is the guy who has, you know, finally, you know, left Earth's orbit and flying toward the future in a new way that we don't. But you're right. It was embarrassing to see trust Ballyhood in the way she was last, you know, what, 40 days or something. And uh, will now be replaced by someone who it will be hard to burnish in the same way. Yeah. First of all, is there anything funnier than a British person trying to argue superiority of anything British <laughs> in regard to the United States? I mean, look, there, there's a lot of great things about the English. I, I, I love them. They make great nature shows. They make excellent detective series. They're really good writers. If you're hearing this message, you're listening to the free version of America This Week. To hear the rest of our conversation, please subscribe to TK News at taibi.substack.com.